story lovers. I'm glad you're here today. We are going to talk about how to write great scenes, that one specific ingredient that you need to make sure that you're always writing a fantastic scene. So come along with me today and learn something about writing. Do you want to write fiction but don't know where to start? Believe me, I understand. I've stood in your shoes. I've wanted to write amazing stories and wondered if I was even on the right track. I worried and struggled for years. I know what it feels like to have no idea what you're doing. Like everything you write is cheesy and amateurish, and you'll never be good enough to sit on the shelves next to the great authors of your time or the classics. But I want you to know there's an answer for you, a way to know that the stories you're writing will resonate with readers, a way to transform from wherever you are now in your writing journey to someone who's universally hailed as talented and a skilled storyteller. Welcome to The Story Savant, the podcast with free writing advice for the aspiring storyteller. I'm going to give you every tool I know to help you become a master storyteller. Every week, I'll bring you tips on story structure, characterization, themes, heroes, villains, and more to automatically make your story resonate with your audience. Stay tuned. We're going to learn to tell amazing stories, and we're going to have a ton of fun doing it. Let's do this. Okay, well, I'm going to start with a personal update today because it's been a while since I gave you one of those. It's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks, hasn't it? With all this coronavirus stuff. I don't know about you guys, but people in my town are kind of going nuts over it. You know, like you see on the news, all the toilet paper has gone off the shelves and there's big lines to get into stores. Personally, I think the hype is going to end up being way worse than the actual viruses. Uh, not that there's not anything to worry about, especially for the elderly or immunocompromised. But for most of the rest of us, I think it's just going to end up being a lot of panic. So just kind of sitting here waiting it out. But again, I don't know about you, but everyone in my town, we're in Utah, as soon as they declared the state of emergency, everything got shut down. So I, I mean, people who work in like food service and, and more salesy kind of jobs, um, for the most part, are still working. But uh, my dad, who I live with, he is a computer programmer and he got sent home for the next two weeks. Uh, my niece and nephew, all the schools are closed for the next two weeks. Most of my brothers and sisters who I keep in touch with on Facebook, they've been sent home for two weeks, you know, to see how, how it goes. So I'm just hoping within two weeks, the hype will die down a little bit, but everybody's home for right now. And I got to say, you know, even though I work from home, so I don't have a nine to five job anyway, this is a great time to get some writing done. <laughs> I mean, obviously if you're at home and you have to do some work for your job at home, but Hey, as long as you're home all day, you might as well get some writing in. Right. All right. So what am I up to? I am, I still have not started my Facebook lives and I'm going to start them this week. Come hell or high water. I really am. The reason that I haven't is that I've been doing a lot of editing. I kind of want to start them because I'm going to use them as an accountability thing for how many words I'm getting written every day. I kind of wanted to wait until I was working on a new project to where I would be writing words every day or almost every day. So far, I've been just doing a lot of editing, finishing up Vacant Passage, which was the fifth and final book of Street Games. And I'm excited to say that that has dropped. This last week was my launch week and it went pretty well. I really wasn't expecting too much from that book because it's the fifth and final book in a five book series and it has been over a year since I put out the fourth book. So I didn't do a very good job of, of building hype and, you know, making sure that it got out rapidly. <laughs> that said, I think I did a good job with my email list with building hype just for this launch and I really would have been happy with selling five books on launch. I was looking at it more of a situation where I'm going to end up, you know, running 
a lot of promos to the first book and selling it as a series and saying all five books are now available, so come get this. But even though I was not really counting on a huge launch, I actually did pretty well. I, I used an email sequence that I hadn't used before, and I sold a couple of dozen copies the first week and got a bunch of borrows from KU. So that was actually more than I was thinking I would get, and I was very pleased with that. I can start my Facebook Lives now because I am now working very intensively on Intercron. Intercron, I have three books to write. I want to get them written pretty fast, like maybe one a month. And one of the reasons I know I can do that is that the fourth out of six books is already about three quarters of the way written. And so I've been doing some editing on that and I'm still working on that, but there are some holes in it that I kind of figured out that I need to finish writing the fifth book and that will help fill in the holes for the fourth book. Kind of hard to explain, but it's just the way I'm going to do it. And I know it'll work a little bit better, but I'm also not going to put out the books until I have all three written so I can kind of rapid release the last three. So anyway, that's just a whole lot of author jargon. And just to say that I'm working on Intercron and I'm hoping to be done with that series in the next 60, possibly 90 days, but I'm hoping it's closer to 60. And then after that, I can turn my full attention to Dragon Magic, which is the one I've had on the back burner for like four years. <laughs> So I'm uh, I'm making progress. Other than that, I'm doing great. I am also making progress on my first course, which will be called Teach Yourself to Write a Book in 90 Days or Less. I'm working on the videos for that course, and it's probably going to be another uh, month or two before that's finished and ready to go, but I will keep you guys updated on that. And yeah, other than that, just plugging along and doing great. Okay, so let's get down to the meat and potatoes of this episode. We are going to talk about how to write great scenes. Now, we've already talked about plot points, and I'm hoping that at this point you have your work in progress, whatever story you're working on, and you have already plotted out the major events of the story using my nine plot points. Again, if you need that, you can get a free PDF by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, once you have that figured out, though, of course, that's just the bones, you know, of the story. From there, you still have to go in and write your scenes. You still have to get from A to B, right? From the first plot point to the second and the second to the third. So one thing that I know a lot of new and aspiring writers do is they tend to write scenes that don't really go anywhere and don't really accomplish very much. Obviously, that's not something you want to do. So we're going to talk about today how to make sure that your scene is accomplishing something, that it's a really great dynamic scene that holds the reader's attention and really draws them in and also pushes them through the story. Because if you have one great scene, that's going to push them into the next great scene. And that's how they're going to get through the book rather than having a scene that didn't really engage them and bores them. And then they put down the book and might not pick it up again, right? That's exactly what we don't want to have happen. So let's talk about this. Well, I'm just going to dive right in and give you kind of the, I, the title of this episode is the one ingredient you need to make sure every scene in your book is fantastic. I'm just going to tell you right off the bat what that is. And that is that something in the scene has to turn. Now, I know that doesn't really help you very much. Don't worry, I'm going to unpack it. What I mean is that every scene in your book has to accomplish things that makes it so that the story turns. There basically has to be a point of no return in every scene. So there needs to come a point in every scene where something happens that makes it so that the characters cannot go back to what the status quo was before that scene. So this can manifest as uh, new information they didn't have before, uh, a huge event that happens that changes everything. Sometimes it can be very physical, like they're, you know, moving through the rooms in a building and a door shuts behind them and locks. They literally cannot go back through that door. But something has to change in a big way for the character in the scene so that they can't go back to who they were or what their lives were like before before that happened. And I'm going to give you an example of this. Actually, I'm going to give you several examples of this. I'm sorry today, guys. I keep losing my voice. I don't know why that is. I'm really not sick. <laughs> I actually just worked out and I think it uh, is affecting my voice. So I'm sorry about that. 
All right, so I'm gonna give you a couple of examples of when I've seen this in other people's writing in my writing group. And then from there, I will talk about, um, I will use a film and show you how the scenes in this film were done really, really well. Okay, so in my writer's group, we kind of have a running joke about how sometimes you can have a scene where a character doesn't do anything except read a book. And this is actually a really funny inside story because one of the gals in my writer's group, who is also a writer, um, I'm not going to give you her name because I haven't gotten her permission to give you her name on my podcast, but it, this was several years ago. We were all newbie writers. We were all, you know, kind of starting out and, and starting to figure out our writing craft. And she had a scene in which one of her characters, a male whose name was Nate, was reading a book. And I understood what she was going for in that scene. She was kind of, it was kind of a mirror moment for him where he was being very contemplative and he was reading a book and then he had a, a short conversation with another character, but that was pretty much it. There wasn't a whole lot of action. There wasn't a whole lot of drama. There wasn't a whole lot of conflict. That's kind of a problem. You need to have conflict in a scene. And one of the other guys in our writer's group kind of made fun of her for it and made a joke about it and said, so basically what happens in this scene is Nate reads a book. <laughs> and we all kind of chuckled about that, but his point was that it needed more conflict. It needed something on which the scene could turn and it wasn't there. So needless to say, she went back and revised that scene and made it better. Another more recent example is another writer. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about her scene and how I talked to her about how she could make her scene better. She had two characters and there's basically a big mission coming up. So it's like a sci-fi. I'm not going to go into too many details because this is her work in progress, but there's a big mission coming up. And it was understood that the main character who is a woman, so the heroine was going to be the one to go on this mission. And then all of a sudden she found out that she was going to have to be in a competition with another guy, a man, and whoever won got to go on the mission. So she's going to have to fight for this mission. And she assumed that it was just a foregone conclusion that it would be her that would go. Well, to make things worse, the guy that she's competing against, she kind of has a crush on him. There's a little bit of, of sexual tension going on there. Well, guess what? That's a great setup. There's a lot of conflict inherent in that. It's a great premise for, for her story and where she's beginning. The problem was that she kind of went back and forth with how the main character felt about this. So she was upset and a little bit angry that she was going to have to fight for this instead of it just being given to her. But when she spoke to this man about it, she didn't really say much. It was a very casual conversation and she kind of seemed like she was dancing around around the issue and wanted him to bring it up. And my advice to this author friend of mine was that you need to put these characters at odds. Even if she's secretly still crushing on him and thinking that he's attractive, she needs to be really angry about this. And understand, I wasn't trying to tell her where to take her story. Near the end of the chapter, the character is alone in her room and all of this really strong anger comes out. So I could tell that that's what the author wanted the character to feel, but she just wasn't quite putting it very well into the chapter. So I advised her to go back and write the character as being very angry and being very confrontational. And even if on the inside she really likes this guy and, and doesn't want to yell at him on the outside. She's so angry about this turn of events with the mission. Have her yell at him, have her demand answers. And, and did you know about this and why? Okay. Especially in terms of dialogue, if you want to know how to write really great dialogue, well, okay. First of all, I would recommend a book by James Scott Bell called writing great dialogue. I will link to that in the show notes, but the main thing is just to put two characters at odds with each other. Even if they're both on the same team and both fighting for the same thing, you 
still need to have them at odds with each other. That's how you create conflict and tension in a scene. So look at Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. They're both good guys. Neither of them are villains. They're both ultimately fighting for the same thing, which is against the Empire. But they're constantly arguing about stuff. You know, Han Solo doesn't want to do what Obi-Wan wants, but Luke does. You know, things like that. That's how you create tension in the scenes. They don't hate each other and they don't have to be in this knock down, drag out fight all the time, but having them have slightly different goals along the way of reaching the main goal will create tension in the scene. I'm going to actually do an entire episode about arguments uh, next week and how to write great ar arguments and great conversations. So I'll, I'll get into that more next week. But in terms of creating tension in a scene, just make sure that you have characters that are at odds with each other. Because if you have two characters that are just 100%, oh yeah, I agree. I agree on that. I agree on everything. It doesn't create um, any tension in your scene and that's a problem. Back to my original topic, you need to make absolutely sure that something changes in the scene and that you can't go back from it. So I told you I would use a movie to illustrate this. The one I chose, it was extremely random. I was watching The Last Samurai when I was outlining this episode. So I just decided to use The Last Samurai. If you guys haven't seen it, it's fantastic. One of my favorite movies. And I think they just put it back on Netflix. I saw it on there and went, hey, I haven't watched that in a long time. I'm going to watch that. So that's what I did. All right. So I'm not going to go through the entire movie. I'm just going to go through the setup at the very beginning. So I won't be giving huge spoilers toward the end of the movie or anything like that. But The Last Samurai is about, uh, it's got Tom Cruise in it, and his character is named, oh dear, what is his name? Captain Algren, I think. All right, so let's, let's examine the scenes as the movie begins. The first scene, he is part of a Wild West show, and it's very obvious that he's an alcoholic because he's drinking heavily and very drunk when he goes out onto stage. Long story short, he messes up the performance pisses off a lot of people and loses his job. And that is due to his alcoholism. We find out very quickly that he is a survivor of the Battle of Little Bighorn and that he's got pretty strong case of PTSD, although they wouldn't have known that's what it was back then. And that has a lot to do with his alcoholism. So he made a big mistake and he lost his job. He can't really go back from that. They're not going to rehire him. So then he's offered a job by an old colleague of his. And this colleague wants him to go and train Japanese troops in the English fashion. So they're training troops using American training, but these are Japanese troops and they're trying to basically, from their view of things, they're trying to civilize these Japanese troops and make them more uh, Western in the way that they're trained. Well, Captain Algren doesn't want to do this. That's not a job he wants. He's not interested, but he also just lost his job and doesn't have any way to support himself now. So he basically has no choice. He has to take the job. So once again, we have, you know, the scene turns. Something has changed from the beginning of the show when he was just working a Wild West show. And, you know, that was his world before. He was working the Wild West show. He was very unhappy. He was drinking himself into a bottle every single night, right? Something's changed. He lost his job. He's kind of forced to take this job because he doesn't have much choice. While training the troops, he learns about a man named Katsumoto, who is a Japanese man who lives high up in the mountains in a more primitive village and is apparently these people's enemy. He leads a group of samurai, and these Japanese troops are basically being trained to take out the samurai. While he's training these troops, and they still have a long way to go, he illustrates that they really don't know what they're doing yet. He is commanded by the higher-ups to go and attack Katsumoto. Once again, he does not have a choice in this. All of these things are acting upon him. During the battle, and remember that his troops were not ready and he told his commanders that they were not ready and this is not something they could they should be doing but again they didn't care they just wanted what they wanted well during the battle captain algren is injured and taken hostage by katsumoto's men so he becomes a hostage to the samurai so do you see how every single scene something happens that he can't go back from he can't not follow his orders he can't free himself
himself from the samurai from being their prisoner because he was injured and he's now at their mercy. We don't have a scene where he's sitting around talking with his buds, not really doing anything, philosophizing about the world. Every single scene has to turn. It has to change something. It has to make it so that the character cannot go back from that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be action oriented. Like I said, it can be a matter of the character making a strong decision about something. It can be a matter of them getting information they didn't have before. There's a lot of ways in which a scene could turn, but just make absolutely certain that it turns in some way. So go back through the scenes in your story and make sure you know where they're turning and why, and that whatever the turn is, it pushes the character into the next step of the story. You could even, if you're using the nine plot points or whatever you're using to plot out your novel, you could even go through and make sure that each of the plot points has a turn and whatever the turn is needs to kick them into the next plot point. Now there can be several scenes in between each plot point. It doesn't have to be nine scenes in your novel, one for each plot point, not at all. But just make sure that the turn is there and that there is always a point of no return in each scene. That is how you keep the reader moving through the novel and keep it very engaging. Okay, I think that's what I have for you today. So your homework is to go and make sure all your scenes turn. And if you have ever gotten feedback that a scene was a little boring or that it didn't keep someone's attention, chances are this is why. So make sure that you have not only a, a turn in your scene, but a really good turn that's really going to keep their attention, something that's unexpected, but also that leads them into the next scene where you want them to go in the plot. All right. If you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like me to talk about on the podcast, feel free to send those to me. My contact information is in the show notes and everybody have a great week of writing. See you next time. If you would like to support the show as a patron, hop over to www.patreon.com forward slash story savant. If you're big on Facebook, join our Facebook community at bit.ly forward slash story savant Facebook to get a free PDF of my nine essential plot points for a page turning story. Sign up at bit.ly forward slash story savant courses. All these links are in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today. You can find all my fiction on my website at authorlkhill.com forward slash books. If you found value in anything you heard today, do me a favor and go leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best and easiest way that you can thank me and help others to find and be inspired by the same concepts. Together, we can lift each other through our stories to new heights of understanding and compassion for our fellow man and gain an eternal godlike perspective on our own spirituality. So go consume some stories today. I give you permission.